0: And Welcome to another episode of the Tabletop for Two podcast. I'm Brad Van Vutt.
1: I'm Emily Van Vutt.
0: And we are back to, uh, to talk about the last couple weeks we've spent playing some playing some games. Um, we're going to be reviewing the brand new game Side later in the show from Stonemeyer Games, so looking forward to that. Um, and we have a lot of games to talk about that are new that we've been playing lately, so let's get right into it. But before we do... Um, just a reminder of where you can find us. You can check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, if you search at Tabletop for Two, you can find us there. Uh, I'd appreciate if you subscribe to the show, uh, iTunes or Google Play Music or any other podcatcher of your choice. And we also have a BGG Guild. Uh, it's number 2623. Uh, it would be great if you could swing by, subscribe to that, uh, join up the guild, and maybe we can get some two-player gaming conversation started in there. So let's get right into it. Um, a game that we've had for a little bit here. Uh, that I got it a, on a good deal on Amazon a few months back is Onward to Venus. Um, I'm
1: not gonna lie, I don't remember what the game.
0: <laughs> oh, that's not good. Well, this is this is a this is a Martin Wallace game. We've
1: been playing so many new games lately. I'm sorry. I'm, 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 my, my brain is kind of <laughs> shot right now.
0: Well, the, the theme of this game is based off a series of novel, uh, um, novels that take place in you like, talk in, al- I I'll probably remember. Right. It takes place in alternate history, um, like early 1900s.
1: Wait. Is this the one that had all the, the, the planets lined yes, up? Yes. yes. Okay. I remember now. Yes.
0: So. Sorry. So, yeah, this Don't is mind a, um,
1: me. I'm having one of those days.
0: Yeah. This is a, uh, it's kind of like a worker placement game, I guess. Basically, you are controlling um, one of five different countries. I think it's like U.S., Britain, France, Russia, and Germany are the options you have to choose from. Um, each country has some units. You have spaceships. You have infantry units and tanks. And you start you by... make
1: me the Ruskies again? You always make me the Ruskies.
0: I think I actually gave you um, the U.S. Because for some reason, the U.S. is green in this game weird. For some strange reason. Okay,
1: anyway, continue. Anyway.
0: Sorry. Um, you start on planet Earth, and your ships, uh, the, the starting ships, the starting infantry you have surround planet Earth, and during your turn, you can take actions. Uh, those actions can be moving to different planets, uh, but most of the time, you're probably going to be interacting with event tiles on the planet. See, so at the beginning of each round, you're going to uh, draw a certain number of tiles on each of the planets on the makeshift board that you kind of create for the game.
1: Oh, that's right, and you got to build factories, mm-hmm. and you you got to do this, and you got to do that. I remember.
0: Now. Yeah, you're trying. You're the, the vent tiles can do various things. Um, as M said, you can build factories and mines for income. Uh, you can go ahead and also. Uh, Get
1: you can try, boons. and what's the other one? Can't you like resolve conflicts or something? Yeah,
0: you can. Um, we'll, of that nature. Yeah, we'll cover that part in a second. Um, there's also boons where you can just get money. You can get cards um, in your hand. Sorry, because I'm excited, you also that I'm have...
1: remembering everything now.
0: <laughs> you have action cards, <laughs> um, but the way you take these actions is you actually move your units down to the planet surface to do the action, essentially. So, you can move units to other planets so that you can do actions on other planets. Um, There's also crises that will, or sorry, crises, crises. I guess, that'll (laughs) pop up um, that you can resolve, which gets you victory points. Um, And if they're not resolved, they could have an adverse effect for everybody uh, at the end of each round. Um, And the way you resolve crisis crises and the way you uh, also combat other players, because as I mentioned, you can fight other players for control of their minds and their factories
1: uh, is through wagon over here, man, wants to fight me all the time.
0: Oh, can I say it's it's through um, kind of a unique combat system where you start by taking the total power that each side has at the planet and you roll a few uh, three dice and it's a six sided die, but instead of ones, you have these little skull symbols. And you take the highest result.
1: But you have different colored dice depending on the unit, right? Or is this no? Enough? What am I thinking of?
0: I have no idea what you're thinking of. There's
1: something that we just played that had different. Oh no, it's the next game on the list. Yes,
0: so <laughs> ha, ha, you um.
1: Sorry. You you just jumbling together. You
0: roll three dice. Um, of the three results that you get, you keep the lowest and the highest. The middle one goes away. Um, you take the difference between those die results and add that to whatever the defense value is of who you're fighting. And that's the amount of combat that you have to bring to the fight. Now, you can bring combat with your units that are stationed around the planet, uh, or you can play cards out of your hand. You, uh, you'll you have a hand of cards that'll do various things. One of the things those cards can do is add uh, hits to your combat result. As long as you meet the combat goal, um, you will... Com, you know successfully either take over the mine or complete the crisis. Um if you don't then you uh then you kind of have wasted that turn um and those resources essentially. And this goes on for a few rounds. Um at the end of it you get victory points based on the planets that you control economically and that's the end of the game. Um I heard good things about this game. I wasn't sure what to expect. I I'd like to say that we liked it. It was an enjoyable game. Mm-hmm. Um, little bit of a vast game with two players, there's eight total planets in the game. Yeah, it's
1: kind of a large board. Maybe right. we could try, can we try shortening it, maybe?
0: I I guess we can, but it's also kind of important for those planets to all be there because of the different crisis events that can happen. Yeah. But I know that I never really felt compelled to go out to the farthest reaches.
1: I think I did.
0: I think you went to like the second to last planet, maybe. And I guess that because the tiles don't go away from round around, like the resources pile up. So I, I suppose that's supposed to incentivize you to go out to those other planets. But if you're
1: getting what you need from the planets you have, then Mm, it's not really necessary. Where's the incentive?
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was just poor play because it was our first time. No, I
1: think it's because we like, uh, what's it, Perry Rodan.
0: Right, but which is a very different type of game, even what though it has, saying, the same, still yeah. still has the
1: same, yeah, same setup with like the planets and things. Right,
0: and I mean it's 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 good enough that we're going to hang on to it and we're going to give it another try. Um, but I would say it's not a Martin Wallace that you would have to run out and buy, especially with two players. I can see maybe three players being a good spot for this one. Um, I think with more players, it might get a little little rambunctious. Um, beyond that, so. Yeah, onward to Venus. Um, you know, definitely lower on our list of of Wallace games, um, but still. Like I said, we're gonna keep it. We're gonna maybe take it for a few more spins and see how we feel about it after that.
1: Do Do you want to go ahead and do the introduction of this one so you can get in your uh, wrestling promo here? No,
0: I did that on Twitter right? already. <laughs> you can You can talk about this.
1: <laughs> Next on the list is uh, New Dawn. It's in the same universe as Among the Stars. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's I don't know. What do you I? I I, they
0: they call it a four X game. I don't necessarily read that classification. I
1: don't <laughs> yeah, that's why I said I was why yeah. I'm like, um yeah, I don't see it as that either.
0: It's kind of an area control game of sorts, I would say. Yeah, and then in, in some ways, like I it, said, is. it
1: still it has the cards like you have in Among the Stars that you put out the different cards to get different effects and whatnot. But mm. you have a board, and actually, this is cool. I like how they did this because there's like a border around the part of the board that you can use for certain player counts and whatnot.
0: Yeah, you've you've never cool. um, you've never played this nor nor have I for that matter, but I'm aware of it. It's it reminds me of how the board is laid out for this game called Space Empires that mm-hmm. that uh, GMTs does,
1: and this one has like special rules there's like certain sections cordoned off in a certain color and you can't do certain things in certain sections mm-hmm. it's very cool i like right. i enjoyed that
0: yeah this is one um like i'm said basically you are getting you're putting out these different Facilities on this board. Each round, or each yeah, each round one. Each player is going to put out one facility at least.
1: But you don't necessarily get to control that facility.
0: Right, right. You get a benefit when you place it, and then it's kind of jockeying for position. Mm -hmm. Um, When if you can put a base on it, then you control that facility. But other players can also come in later and try and attack it and take it from you.
1: This is the one with. Oh, excuse me, with the colored dice.
0: Yeah, this one has a few different colored dice that you can use. and it's you have these mobile headquarters that can roll around the board, and based on the location of that HQ to the to the card that you're trying to like colonize or trying to take over from somebody, determines the different dice you can roll. And you have these green dice that are really good because they have nothing but three, four, fives, and sixes on them. They're six sided dice, but they have like, two fives and two sixes. Um, you also have the yellow dice, which are not quite as good, and then the White dice, which are kind of crabby. I think I actually might have gotten that wrong. I think it's yellow is best, white is second best, and green is the I
1: is the worst, remember. if I recall. I just remember I liked it. <laughs> yeah,
0: and it takes it takes place over a few rounds. Um, you're going to get victory points for the spaces that you control at the end of the game, um, as well as a few other things. You could, you also have this uh, unique economy. Each round.
1: Well, and there's a couple special cards laid out on the board that give you extra bonuses as well.
0: Yeah, that's that's one of the cool things about it is when you actually put a base on each of these facilities, the cards have um, arrows around the sides of the card. And when you place the base, you can rotate the card however you wish. And whatever, whatever, wherever the arrows are pointing, like I'm said, on each side of the board, there's like a bonus card.
1: So like one side gives you extra defense. One side gives you what well, I don't even remember. One gives you extra victory points on the building. One right. gives you, ah, uh, yeah.
0: Um, that one gets you like a reroll token that you can use on your turn and and things of that know, nature. Yeah, um, but that's that's neat that you have the ability to to kind of choose which but you bonuses have to, you, you want
1: because there's not on every card. You know, some cards have one arrow, some cards have three. You mm-hmm. know, but you just have to.
0: Pick, we'll pick the best one. You ones have that to really pick
1: the one that's gonna work the best for you. Yep.
0: You also have um unique races here at the beginning of the game, you'll each get a race that has a special ability. And also you have a special uh deck of technologies that you can research during the game. Um and the technologies can make you know, give you special bonuses that you can use.
1: And don't isn't this the one with the ambassador cards?
0: Yeah, well that's Among can, the Stars kinda has that too. Well they have the yeah, but I'm saying this
1: one's actually laid out right there and you can use them every turn.
0: Mm-hmm. You know? well, once we, they can be each be used once per round basically it can be one right, of your actions right, right, right. that you do um, I wasn't sure what to expect from this one because it's uh, it hasn't really got a lot of buzz uh, we like Among the Stars of course Among the Stars though is a tableau building like drafting game very different style of game from this um, this one kind of in some ways captures the feel of Among the Stars because there's a lot of common elements between the two games um, while still giving it a fresh spin uh, what I liked about it was that it plays nice and quick. Yes, for a absolutely. game of, of this ilk, uh, I think we played the first game inside of an hour.
1: Oh yeah, which which was absolutely. which was
0: pretty cool. It moves pretty fast too. Um, it was a little—I don't even know if I would call it fiddly. Just it's—it's it's a weird game to wrap your head around at first. Because, like Em said, when you when you explore a base and when you discover it, you get the benefit from. The bonus that's on the card, but then it's kind of you know up for grabs for anybody that wants to take a shot at it. So that part's a little strange. Like you don't own the base when you first you know first get it. You have to you colonize it later. Um, what were your thoughts on the game? Because you liked it pretty well, I think.
1: I liked it a lot. Like I, because um, at, at first when I looked at the board, when you laid the board out, it was huge, and then mm-hmm. you're like, oh well, but only this area. But then still that area for two seemed huge mm-hmm. but i actually it was a little punchy yeah that we, we got a little punchy in there and I liked it well
0: that that part i I did like as well um yeah it's a very aggressive game because I even wasn't, though well
1: and I wasn't quite sure because I mean there's so much board but I wasn't quite sure how much conflict-wise we were going to get. I was pleasantly surprised with the amount of conflict we had.
0: Well, it helps too because we use the um there's a little like a mini module expansion in the box that had these different stations that you lay out randomly before the game starts and those stations um, actually will give you bonuses like one of the ones we had, you know, you the a base uh, a location was worth extra points. Um, if it was adjacent to the station or they had one that, you know, bumped up the, you know, if you colonized a base um, adjacent to it, you would get an extra victory point during the game as well. So those those kind of forced you into conflict a little bit. I will say that if you don't like um, a lot of direct conflict, that this is not a game that you should no, play because it's kind of unavoidable, not, yeah. kind of unavoidable with this one. But, yeah, New Dawn, um, pleasant surprise uh, and and another neat game. And then Among the Stars uh, universe there and i love the art yeah
1: i was i yeah it's just cool
0: very cool i'm gonna let you talk about this one too because i knew you were excited <laughs> about it way more than i was
1: <laughs> so the ne- <laughs> the next game on the list is called mow money and it's about mowing lawns
0: <laughs> yeah this 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 we actually got as a <laughs> this was a, a throw-in bonus. yeah this, this was is a throw-in, throw-in.
1: And th- this is one of those ones where it's been sitting on our shelf forever, and I'm like, Bradley, are we going to play this game to see if we like it or if we can pitch it from our collection? Mm. And so he's like, all right, fine. He reads the rules. We play it. And I loved it.
0: Yeah, it's... it's a- and,
1: oh, no, the best part was as he's setting up, I was cleaning up from dinner, and he's setting up, and he starts laughing. I was like, what? He goes, oh, he's like, you're going to love it. It has the cheesiest corniest names for things wasn't it the grass guzzler was yeah. like the best mower you could get was the grass guzzler and they had the sod snipper. I was dying laughing. oh I, my I God I
0: absolutely knew that she would be that she would be <laughs> charmed just by just by the cornball names on the uh, on the lawnmowers. <laughs> um, the gameplay is it's a reverse auction game're you're, you're playing as competing um, lawn mowing companies. Uh, that are trying to to build your reputation up uh, mm-hmm. around the neighborhood, and you there's basically a neighborhood for each player, and each turn, each of these neighborhoods, there'll be a face up uh, law lo- house that needs their their lawn and road. it has
1: a set of symbols on it to tell you which
0: yeah there's three are what
1: you need cards wise there
0: yeah there's three there's three tiers of cards um, there's bronze silver and gold, and you have to upgrade your mower to get access to the higher cards, and it's strange because each when you bid on these on these cards, and it's a it's a secret bid. Like it's you know you, you decide on your bid and then you know reveal them. There's it's not like a round the table auction. Um, so like with the you might have to put in four bronze cards, and it has to be exactly four bronze cards. Or if you use silver cards, you might only have to put in three in order to make a bid. And then you also area.
1: have the little cardboard chips, let's say, neighborhood A, neighborhood mm-hmm. B, and then the, the odd job yeah, you, chip.
0: You bid on two that You bid on two things to. per round. Um, and like I've said, you have the option to bid on both of the neighborhoods that are available. Um, or you can do an odd job, which is just a way to get rid of some of your bidding cards, but right. get some quick cash. But
1: your cars have to have matching symbols. You have to have, what, three matching yeah, symbols? Yeah, three
0: that match the job that you're trying to do. And then there's do. a
1: list that tells you how much they pay out based mm. on what it
0: is. And... What makes a kind of reverse auction is you're actually trying to be the person who has the low bid in the auction because you're underbidding all of your competitors. Um, if you get the contract... You're
1: undercutting
0: yeah, them. <laughs> I'll stop. I'm not even acknowledging that. If you uh, if you win the auction, um, you get the contract card, you get paid out for the job, and then you keep the contract card in your hand. Um, if you keep it until the end of the game, it'll be worth a certain number of reputation points. But you can also use those cards in future auctions to... It, they call it staking your reputation. So you are, you are basically throwing the card away. Um, but you're doing it to lower your bid by the amount of reputation points on the card to try and underbid somebody later on. So you're you're risking. One of your point cards to get probably a larger point card, but whether you win or lose the card goes away regardless. So I did that a couple of times um, in order to try to to try to undercut M. there Um, you keep going until one of the neighborhoods has no more jobs left. And then whoever has the highest reputation uh, wins the game. You You also get some points for having some leftover money. At the end of the game, as well, the money is also necessary because not only do you use it to upgrade your mowers, um, but you also use it to buy. You have to actually have purchase to to your cards.
1: cards, right?
0: So you have to you have to be careful about how that's allocated. Um, this was an interesting game. I wasn't really sure.
1: I wasn't expecting what to expect. much from this game at all.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I was pleasantly surprised that I had as much fun as I did. Mm-hmm. It was. It was fun.
0: Yeah, we, we talked about it when we did um, when we talked about auctions a few months back uh, for two players. The the blind bid auction um, definitely works best um, mm-hmm. for two more than any other type of auction because going going around the table doesn't really you know work too well, especially if you can only have access to one of the different uh, contracts each round right. or something like that. So that that worked out well. Okay, um, I mean I wasn't blown away by the game. It was totally fine.
1: I wasn't. I wasn't blown away. I just had a lot more fun than I thought I would.
0: Well, I think the theme kind of helped that for you because I think you, were, you thought that was a charming, a charming theme from That's what I cute. understood. So
1: it's really cute.
0: It was fine. I mean, it's not going anywhere. Um, don't know if we're ever going to end up playing it with anybody else because it took. I, I will say one thing: I did not like it about the game. It took a little Yeah, to it took yes. a little longer than I wanted it to. Um, so I'm not sure how I felt about that. But yeah, Mo Money. If you're looking for for a kind of an interesting twist on auction games, uh, this might be one to check out. Uh, it's, it seems like it might be might be unique enough it's to earn adorable. a spot. And yes, it is very cute. It's very colorful. All of the streets have like like the, the A neighborhood is like Apple Orchard Way or something like that, and then the B is like bear Whatever. It's yeah. very very suburbia. Um, Dimension was a game that we got a really sweet deal on. Oh, yeah. at the local uh, friendly local, local game, game store. store
1: had a clearance, and then you got an extra fifty percent off if you said the magic phrase.
0: Yeah, so I I think we picked up Dimension for fifteen bucks. This is a uh, it's a puzzle game, um, kind of a spatial element puzzle game where you have uh, these five colors of of these uh, of balls. these balls, and you have three of each of them. And each round, there is going to be six rules that get laid out on the table and the rules might be any of any orange balls that you build in a structure have to be touching any of the white balls that you build or no white balls can touch or you have to use exactly three of the green balls all
1: the blue balls have to be on the bottom Mm -hmm. black can't be on top of blue they're like there's many many different yeah
0: and you Please. build and you build this pyramid, basically. Um, you stack of, your balls. Yeah, that of matching the different rules um, that are laid out for the game, and you essentially are given a number of points uh, at the beginning of the round. But then, for each rule that you don't fulfill, you have to lose two of your points. For each one. I think you're given 10 each round and you lose two for each rule that you, uh, that you fail to complete. Um, and, and of course it's time. So, you know, you have to do it as quick as possible. I think you have like 30 seconds to build, to build the tower. Um, there's also a bonus if you are able to complete all five rules and if you are able to use all six, all five colors of balls in the tower. Um, and then you play that for a few, for I think it's six rounds and whoever has the most victory points at the end of the game wins. Uh, this one, uh, I, I enjoyed myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I might've liked this one a little bit better. I think we talked about Dr. Eureka a couple of episodes ago. I like this one a little bit more than Dr. Eureka. Why? Um. Cause you
1: don't have your balls flying everywhere.
0: <laughs> it's, uh, I, the, this one, I, I, liked the, the mental puzzle a little bit more. Dr. Eureka is kind of, it's kind of, you're balancing the race, of trying to get it there, but while also trying to figure out the right pattern. But this one, I, I, I like the puzzly aspect a little bit more mm. of, uh, of dimension.
1: Oh, you know, I'm all about the puzzles, Papa.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, which, which did you prefer? Cause that, cause it feels to me very similar to Dr. Eureka in a lot of ways.
1: I like Dr. Eureka. Yeah. I like the <laughs> freneticness of it. Like <laughs> I do. I like the chaos.
0: I don't know. Do- Dr. Eureka. I think will be more I, I think would be a more fun game to play with a group, but I think this is more fun if you're gonna play a yeah. two player game to do it that way. Um but they're both very good. Uh Dimension I would say is a is a worthy pickup if you can get it for a fair price. I'm not a huge fan of the MSRP on that one, which I think is fifty bucks, if I'm not mistaken. Uh this is from Cosmos actually of all of all places. Uh but yeah, if you can if you can find a good deal on this, and I think there is some good deals to be had out there on the game, uh, and you like puzzle games, then Dimension uh, might be a worthy addition to your collection.
1: Mm. Next on the list, uh Sevens. We played this game twice. Mm-hmm.
0: So the the We're way
1: not- Really big fans of it.
0: Yeah, the way the way the game works, it is a um, it's a card game where you're dealt a hand of three cards, and the cards have um, a different
1: color and a different person
0: well different category and it's based on yeah, things that are famous for seven like the seven ages of man or the seven deadly sins or the seven seas the and seven
1: things, wonders yeah, thing, yeah things of
0: that nature and each of those groups um has an ability so for example the what is it the seven um seven uh
1: i remember the ages of man card uh canceled out like the highest number card that there was well, i didn't
0: want to throw that one out because that one's the more complicated to to explain probably
1: that's, that's the one that i remember because it kept
0: they have messing like me up <laughs> they have like the seven colors of the rainbow and that changes like like a wild that changes color, color basically yeah and there's basically when you when you play the card out you put it down into the matching column and
1: wasn't there like a thief one or something where you could steal a card from the top? Yeah, something of, the of that nature. There's
0: a seven lucky gods one where you can like gamble to get. Oh, uh, yeah.
1: If you say, okay, this card, and then you turn it over, then you get to pick that card, you get to put that card if you, in your, if you guess in the color tableau,
0: or the number of it correctly because the cards to are it, also numbered you get one to through put seven. it in
1: front of you to score,
0: right? Yeah, and and like there's always a, there can always be like a wild color in play so any cards that match that color you can put on any of the columns and use that column's ability um also the ages of man card that's the one that M said is kind of confusing because you can put it in the ages of man column or in any other column um and essentially what that does is it kind of speeds along the end of the game because you the game ends when one of the columns that you're building has 7 cards in it and it's kind of hard to wrap your head around with this one is the scoring system, because it's what you do, strange. it's very strange because you, you'll have three cards left over in your hand. OK, so the way you look at scoring is you look at the the ages of man column and for each card in that column, the highest valued card gets canceled. It's out,
1: negated. Yes. So,
0: for example, if you have if there's two cards in that column, then all sevens and all sixes are worth zero points. And the only cards that are worth points are your ones through fives, except for the wild, whatever the wild color is at that point is not going to be worth its face value, but it'll be worth whatever the highest available number of points, it'll be worth that many points. So in in the example that I gave, if you had any, let's say orange was the wild color, any orange cards that you had would be worth five points a piece. Right. And you basically just add the, the values of the cards that are in your hand. Um, you add in, you get two points if you have any of those Lucky Gods cards that you were able to successfully get. And whoever has the most points wins. Um, like I'm said, we've played this a couple times. And the scoring system, is, which is the crux of the game, is what you're building towards for the entire game, is really confusing, um, which does not make that a lot of fun. No, not, with, not and, at all. And the gameplay is just kind of...
1: Ho-hum. It's just kind
0: of there, you know what I mean? Ho-hum. It's not, yeah, it's not, it's not really exciting. You're just kind of all right. I'm going to play this card. You're going so I can the do the motions. This ability.
1: It's one of those where you're just going through the motions, and that's not fun.
0: Yeah, it's uh, and and this one, it had a lot of time between plays. We played it once, didn't really get it. it kind of sat on the shelf for a while, and then we busted it out again recently, um, just just to see if it was something we enjoyed. And and neither of us it kind of fell flat. Really didn't have a great time. Um, so yeah, sevens is not one that I would recommend. Um. Nope. You're in the same boat there as well. Two thumbs down. Yeah. Not. Not. This is definitely a pass for us as far as card games go. Um, There's other ones. Okay.
1: We didn't pay that much for
0: it. Nope. Now one (laughs) that uh one that is not a pass uh, is one that we've been I've been keen to try out for a while. You've been keen to try out for a while. Well, because
1: I got on that kick where I was looking at all the the two player games in the Cosmos line, Mm -hmm. and I said. I saw this game, and I was like, oh, honey, what's that? And then the more I looked at it, the more I wanted to play. And then one day I come home from work, and we have a package. And it has his name on it, and I won't open his packages. And, uh... He comes home. He goes. Oh, that's a surprise for you! I opened it up, and inside was Targi. Yep. I was so excited. Yeah,
0: cool stuff. I got an email from them because I had like a notification to find out when it came back in stock. They got managed to get like a small shipment in, so I ran, I ran online real quick, ordered it, um, and and had it shipped home because I figured I didn't. I've had, if I had a chance to get it for a decent price, I wanted to wanted to snap it up. This is the this is uh, it's it's not even that old, if you could believe that. It only came out like four years ago, but it's impossible to find. It's a very highly thought of um, Cosmos two-player game. Uh, it's a worker placement game. Very unique twist on worker placement. Uh, essentially, you have this this uh, this grid of cards. Um, around the grid are these border cards, and the border cards will have different bonuses on them. And within that grid of border cards, you create a 9 by 9 field of a mixture of goods cards and tribe cards, if I'm not mistaken. And yes. The way the work works is you take turns placing your three Tarky figures on the border cards around the board. And then eventually, once you have two figures on the board, they're gonna intersect one another, and you place one of your one of your tribe markers on the card that they intersect, essentially. And once you've placed all your workers, you should have four or five of these of your markers on the board. And then each player in turn order, um, removes their markers from the board and takes the action on the card that they remove the marker from. So the border cards typically give you a bonus of some kind, usually one of the goods and one of the resources in the game or money or something like that. Um, and the tribe and the goods cards in the center do that as well. The tribe cards, is where the game gets interesting because those are cards that you have to pay for. Um, they're your main source of victory points at the end of the game because you're going to get um they're, they're worth, I think it's one to three points a piece. And then a lot of the tribe cards have a special ability on them as well, which sometimes they're like a one shot deal. And sometimes they're a ongoing ability that gives you a bonus for the rest of the game. Now the tribe cards will also have, I think it's one of five symbols On the card as well, and when you are taking those tribe cards, you're putting them into a four by three grid of your own that's in front of you. And if you are able to match all, if you're able to have the same symbol on all four cards in a row, you'll get four bonus points at the end of the game.
1: And if you get four different ones, you get a bonus. You get two bonus
0: points as well. So this goes on until yeah. And there's also a robber that goes around the board. And whenever he reaches the corner spaces. He's a jerk. Yeah, he, he he's a big adversely jerk. affects both of the uh, both opponents with a penalty of some kind. The guy kind.
1: across from me is a bigger jerk because yeah. he stole the, the anti robber card. I
0: did it first round, too. I didn't have to deal with the robber at all. It was great. Um, but the game ends when either one person has filled their tableau with 12 tribe cards or when the robber makes it all the way around the board. Uh, you look at the end game bonus points, and then whoever has the most victory points at the end of the game wins. So I, I had high hopes for this one because of how how well it's uh, talked about, and it did not disappoint. Targi, I thought was very good, um, very unique twist on the worker placement. Genre definitely for two players. I like
1: how you had to have like the crosshairs to get what you wanted. Yeah, because it's really ho- it's really difficult. Because like you're like, okay, I'm gonna do this, and then if he places somewhere, I'm like, son of well, a. Well, that's and that's one of, of, of the biscuit, things. That's you know? one of the things that he just ruined my plans. Well,
0: one of the rules is when you're placing the target figures around the outside, you're not allowed to place your figure across from one of your opponent's figures. Right, which. If if you go first and and the first player alternates from turn to turn, you can really screw up your opponent's plans, especially if you both have eyes on you know the or same the card same
1: prize. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's and so there's so for two you know two player game they they really nailed that uh, that denial aspect, which makes worker placement really appealing. It in is. Lot of ways. It's
1: so like I said, there was a couple of times where he I like. He puts out his worker. I'm like, okay, good. He's not going for that. And I put my worker out, and then he puts out his next one and blocks me. I'm like, son of a biscuit. You know? It's not cool, bro. Not cool.
0: So I take it that you were a big fan of course. as well.
1: <laughs> it's punchy. It was fun. I got really frustrated. That's always a good thing. I know you think that's weird, but... You know, it's a good thing.
0: Uh, whatever you need to do to enjoy the game, I'm I'm perfectly happy.
1: You know I'm weird. <laughs> but you married me anyway. Deal yes. with it.
0: Oh, well, I'm mm-hmm. glad we got Targi. Targi's yes. a very great game. I like um, it. One of our favorites in the Cosmos line and one that I dare say we'll be playing quite a bit oh, yeah. in the future for sure. So the last one is... Oh, we uh,
1: got permission?
0: We did, yeah. So the last one um, is actually a prototype that we've been playing um, so I, I was contacted by, by Daniel Peterson because we've talked about 13 Days uh, a lot. bunch on the show because it's, it's a great game. We it's love awesome. it. It's um, awesome. And, and, and we love playing it. We actually
1: it. played this on the couch. Ca- we actually played 13 Days on the couch.
0: Yeah, small enough that we can do it for sure. Yeah. And and Daniel Peterson is one of the co-designers of that game, um, and he asked if we would be interested to check out uh, a micro game that they're working on in the 13 Days line. and. If you have 13 days and that's your your base game that you're working off of, then the micro version, of course, would be 13 minutes, uh, which is what this one was called. And uh and it's and if 13 days is supposed
1: hilarious to be hilarious today, too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, and if 13 days is supposed to be um Twilight Struggle boiled down to like a 45 minute game, then 13 minutes is supposed to be Twilight Struggle boiled down into a 10 minute micro game. Um There's 13 cards in the game. Each player has 13 of their influence cubes in the game. And what you're trying to do is... You are, for, for The first thing you do is you have to bid influence at the beginning of the game to determine who gets to go last, which is a very big deal yes, in very this game. Much. Um, you're going to take one card off the top of the deck and put it face down into the middle of the battlefield. Now, the battlefield consists of three spheres of influence that are on the table. There's, Yours,
1: neutral, and your opponent's.
0: Right, so there's a U.S., there's a neutral one in the middle, and then the Russian one on the Russian side of the table. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to compete and gain influence and control the different battlegrounds that'll pop up during the game. Well, what pops up a battleground? Well, the first battle, the face down battleground is Cuba. And Cuba's worth two points at the end of the game if you control it. The other battlegrounds. And that's just
1: the card that you deal randomly off the top right, of the deck.
0: The other cards that are going to make up these other battlegrounds are the cards that you actually play out of your hand. You're going to have a hand of two cards every turn and you're going to play one of those cards to the table. As soon as it hits the table, it becomes a battleground that you're fighting over. And much like in 13 Days, each it's of the cards... It's cube
1: value on it, right. where you can actually you just use it for the cubes, or it has the
0: an, an event, event, for yeah. a
1: lack of a better term.
0: Yeah, Much much like in 13 Days, you can either, like Em said, you can com- you can spend a number of command cubes and put them on one of the battlegrounds, or you can use the event on the card. Now, when you place command cubes on a battleground... That card shifts one direction towards your sphere of influence. So if I'm the U.S. player, uh, if it's in the neutral sphere, it'll shift into my sphere of influence. And if it's in the Russian sphere, it'll shift to the neutral area. Mm -hmm. The reason that's important is because at the end of the game, once you've each played five cards, there'll be 11 battlegrounds left. And you'll each have a card left in your hand. You're actually going to look at which player is dominating each battleground for each battleground you dominate. If it's Cuba, you get two points. And if it's any other battleground, you get one point. And if it's a tie, then whichever sphere of influence the battleground is in breaks the tie. And that also goes for cards that have no cubes on them at all. So if there's a card in the U S sphere that has no cubes whatsoever, then the U S player is going to score one point for that card at the end of, at the end of the game. Um, You also reveal, the cards that you have left over in your hand at the end of the game, whichever faction has the most command cubes on the card, will get an extra prestige point. And then you have to find out if somebody tripped off nuclear war or not, because, of course, it's a cold, a Cuban Missile Crisis-themed game. You have to see if someone calls World War Three. Each of the cards has either an orange, green, or purple DEFCON symbol on the bottom of it, um, representing political military and world opinion uh, battlegrounds much like 13 days did if you have three matching symbols (laughs) in your sphere of influence when the game ends uh, of the same color then you've actually set off nuclear war so you have to be very careful when you move the cards to your side of the table because if you do too many
1: i set off (laughs) nuclear war in the first game we played yeah
0: yeah so, so that's an interesting twist. So, there's the game is very fun. Um, I, I can compare this with Twilight Squabble, because Twilight Squabble also purports itself to be a micro game version of Twilight Struggle, but doesn't feel like a card driven game feels right. essentially because it's more of a bluffing game more than anything else. Right. This actually does capture the feel of a card driven game, and boils it down into like that ten minute play time now. Some of the stuff in this game is really tough to wrap your head around Mm -hmm. when you first play it.
1: I'm still trying to wrap my head around some of it.
0: (laughs) Well, I know the toughest thing for you is, like, I remember the first time we played, like, it wasn't clear to you when you played the card that the card became a battleground.
1: Well, no, it wasn't clear to me that I didn't have to put it out in front of me, and I could put it out wherever I pleased.
0: Well, yeah, when when you place these battlegrounds, you can either put them in your sphere <laughs> or you can put them thing, in the neutral sphere. was I kept sphere. putting them right. in front
1: of myself, and that's what screwed me in the end. Mm. So, that that was that. So then this time, I was trying to be a little more you know, mm-hmm. careful about where I place things.
0: Right. And so, but like I said, it's, it's interesting. It, it's an interesting game, um, and I I really appreciate that it does capture the feel of that Card-driven style gameplay
1: because while thirteen days, you know, is a quick, nice, quick game for us. I mean, sometimes we don't have that time, mm-hmm. so this is perfect.
0: Well, and this one would travel because again, literally, the components are thirteen cards. We could play this plane and twenty-six cubes. Right, you could easily do that. Um, so it's still in the prototype phase right now. Uh, the you know they're they're trying to tweak the balance of the game. Um, it's it's pretty good in the condition it's in right now. Um, I. Like I've been talking with uh, with Daniel a little bit on three email. He suggested a few things to try as well and let them know what's going on. So the but the game I would say is definitely worth checking out when it does come out. Um, they said they're looking hopefully maybe by the end of the year to get it out in the distribution. I um, like it a lot. Right. And like I said, this is a game that'll probably, you know, I'm not going to speculate on price, but I would imagine probably 10, 15 bucks, I would say. And if you're a fan of, of those card driven war games and you're looking for like a unique twist on that, definitely give 13 minutes a look um, when it, when it does appear because uh, it's, it might scratch that ish for you. It's a, it's a, it's a very interestingly designed game for sure. And we're going to continue playing the prototype because we're having a lot of fun oh, yeah. checking it out. So that's it for as far as new stuff we've been playing. Uh, We'll take a quick break, and we'll talk about uh, a Kickstarter project that we're going to highlight this month uh, that we think you should back. So stay tuned. Welcome back. So quick Kickstarter spotlight before we get into uh, the the main crux of the show here. Uh, we've talked quite a bit on the program so far about Millennium Blades. Um, it's one of our one of our top games of this year, for sure so far. Um, the they reason, have an
1: expansion on Kickstarter. Well, they, we
0: I mean we've already backed the expansion from the original campaign, but the reason uh, that we're going to talk about during Kickstarter is because as of right now, um, there's another Kickstarter going on to fund. A reprint of the game, um, and to also get the expansion out there in more people's hands. Um, so this is if you, mi- basically, if you missed it the first time around, this is your chance to hop in. Um, if you for some reason didn't back the expansion the first time, or if you got the game at retail, um, this is your chance to get the expansion and the promos. Or if you were a backer of everything, um, like we were the first time around, you can actually get two of the new, pr- the two new promo sets, uh, that they're releasing. Through this campaign as well, so Millennium Blades. Um, you can go ahead and talk about it a little bit for those that aren't familiar.
1: Um, it. What is it? I. It honey, is. I'm it, sorry. It, I'm tired. It
0: is a. It is a CCG. Yes,
1: sorry, it's not the one that we can't commit to.
0: Yes, it is a. <laughs> it, it basically it encapsulates the experience of playing, collecting. Deck building um a collectible card game.
1: And wasting money.
0: And and wasting lots of money, yes.
1: Because you literally have like your one what, one fives and tens, mm-hmm. but it's literally ten bills put together with a sticker to simulate a one dollar. Yeah. It's fat stacks of cash.
0: Wads of money. We've actually uh we've actually been playing this a couple times lately. Um introduced a buddy of mine. Uh he's who- smitten. He is smitten with money and blades. He, I mean, he's an old Magic player um, from back in the day, and he is absolutely in love with the game. Now loves the experience.
1: Here's the thing, Mama here doesn't really like the the deck building aspect and like building her own deck. Whatever. I have decided that I love this game. I don't know why. Maybe it's just the theming of some of the cards or whatever. Mm -hmm. Or the fact that it's just really fun. Because I did. I had a lot more fun doing something like this than, say, playing Netrunner. Right. Because I know that's your biggest thing is you're like, why didn't you like Netrunner? I don't know why I didn't like Netrunner. It just didn't jive with me. For whatever reason, this jives with me. And I wasn't a Magic player. I think I played it a handful of times with my cousin growing up, Mm -hmm. if that. But... Something with this just kind of resonates with me, and I really, really like it.
0: Right, and and like I said, Level Ninety Nine doesn't sponsor us for anything. We're just getting that the name for the the game out there. We don't have any
1: sponsors. We're it's just doing really, this for fun, right? <laughs> it's
0: a, it's because we think it's a really great game. Um, if you're into CCGs at all, if you've ever been into CCGs at all, if you're into LCGs, whatever, if you like collectible card style games um, you'll probably really enjoy it it's definitely worth checking out um, and like I said if for some reason you have the base game and you're like oh man I really wish I could have gotten the expansion stuff like that you can get that now you can get the promo packs that they release for the game pretty good deal on there definitely seriously, check it out
1: seriously some of the packs are hilariously themed right
0: all, all the packs are themed like I said we've we've talked about on the show a lot so I didn't want to go into too too much detail again um, but yeah like I said if, if you've been hearing about Millennium Blades if you're curious about it and you want to check that out uh, definitely check out the kickstarter that's going on right now um as of us recording i think it has a little less than two weeks left to go um it's already funded so you'll definitely you'll definitely get the game if you back it um, But yeah check it out millennium blades definitely a worthwhile endeavor oh, and, and uh,
1: doesn't the uh table end tomorrow as well
0: it does, but we talked about it last I'm week. Excited. So like I said, by the time people listen to this they probably won't be able to get a chance to do the, the Duchess table. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, definitely check out Millennium Blades and when we come back we will have our review of Scythe. Unless you've been avoiding BGG uh, quite a bit over the past several months, you've you've probably at least heard of Scythe, uh, which is the brand new game from Stonemeyer Games uh, that just got fulfilled to most of the Kickstarter backers. Um, there's still some backers that don't have it yet, I think, as of the time of this recording. But I think most of them probably do at this point. And this was a game um, that was getting a lot of hype when it was on Kickstarter. It, it, it earned well over, I think, a million dollars during the campaign. Um, it's a game that a lot of people were looking forward to, not just for the mechanics of the game, um, but the art is done by a gentleman uh, named Jakob Rzyski, um who is... Kind of known for having this themed art uh, that takes place in like an alt history uh, 1920s Eastern Europe, uh, where you have people, you know, farming and things of that nature, but they also have mechs, giant mechs that can either help them farm or they can, you know, kind of ride around and that sort of thing. And the art's very interesting. And Jamie Stegmaier, uh designed a game kind of around that art. And it's Getting a lot of attention right now. And we've been playing it like we got and our we copy about it two weeks ago. Three
1: times within the uh, past four, week.
0: Four for me, because I, I got a solo play in of it as well.
1: Okay, well, I've played yeah. <laughs> three times within the past week.
0: Yeah, so um normally we would obviously go over to these new games and impressions, but we've played it enough and, and I guess we figure enough people are curious out there about enough to do a full-fledged review of this one.
1: Plus Senior across from me was excited that we would actually get to review a new game as opposed to an old yeah. game.
0: <laughs> Sun's been out for a while. So let's start by uh we'll start by talking about the game a little bit. We'll try to keep this part as brief as possible, because actually it's not Two rules heavy. No,
1: it's not. It's just a lot to kind of wrap your head around at first. Because you look at the board and you're like, "Whoa!"
0: Yeah. So, so each game, um, you're going to have one of five factions that are in the game, and the factions all represent one of the different countries, and they're not called Germany, Poland, Russia, Norway, you know, and whatever the other country is. No, you get
1: a character and an animal friend.
0: Right, but they're quite clearly themed off of those, and each of the faction kind of has. Its own specialty. So, like the the Saxon faction or the German faction is really good at going to war because that's kind of what they do. Um The what was it the pole the R- Polish faction the white the uh
1: I think was that the P- what did I oh I was, it was the bear right yeah with um. Voytek.
0: Yes, they're Wojtek they're the they're bear. great at going on adventures, um, because they the the bear. So as Em said, each each faction has a character that represents that faction, and they, with an animal companion. And uh, and Wojtek the bear is a charismatic fellow, so they like to go on so adventures.
1: Cute. Oh my god!
0: So you have these unique factions, um, and then you're also given. A player board as well. Now the player board is where your action selection takes place, and there's four spaces on this board. Each board is slightly unique though, because though they're made up of the same eight actions, they're arranged in different and and grouped differently on the different From player. The boards. different player boards, right? So it so that kind of no, and
1: didn't weren't we noticing that along the bottom, like the bottom. Uh, action on each board. Mm-hmm. The distributions of how much it costs you were different from board to board as right. well. Right. So,
0: so there's the, so the top actions are, I guess, what you'd call the basic actions, which are move, which lets you move characters around the board, um, trade, which lets you acquire unique resources, produce, produce which lets you produce resources and on bolster. your own areas.
1: Bolster gives you power to fight.
0: Right. It gives you it gives you more authority, basically. And the bottom actions are you can build your mechs. Um, you can build structures on the board, which you give can, you different bonuses.
1: You can enlist
0: recruits, or you can upgrade your your actions on the right. board. And upgrading usually, the board has your these six cubes better. that are in the top row. The Actually, top row it makes actions. all your
1: actions better because your top action uncovers, you know, an extra piece of. That basic action, and then you cover up one of the bottom actions so it takes you less resources to do said bottom action.
0: Well, so so what M means by that is so, like, the move action by default at the beginning of the game lets you move two different figures on the board. You also have workers as well, just basic workers. You can move two figures on the board, one space each. If you upgrade that action, then you can move three figures on the board one space each and the bottom actions, like i said, have a cost associated with them and you can make those costs cheaper by taking the cube that you take from the top and covering up one of the cost areas on the bottom essentially. So when you, and when you take your turn, you're going to take your little action selector and you're going to put it in one of these four spaces. Like I said, each space on your player board has a top action and a bottom action. And when you put it on that space, you have the option to either do either do the top action, do the bottom action Or do both, one after the other, if you can. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to fulfill different objectives. So you have six stars at the beginning of the game for completing tasks, tasks, basically. And when you complete the task, you get to place the star on the star tracker at the top of the game board. And that's also the end game condition when someone places their last star, it ends the game. And basically, you place a star... When you do any of the things you can do in the game, to the best ability that you can do it. So if you get all eight of your workers out on the board, you get to put out a star. If you can deploy all four of your mechs onto the board, you get to put out a star.
1: Build all four of your structures. Yeah,
0: put out a star. If you win a fight, the first two combats you win, you get to put out a star. Fulfill
1: an objective, you get a... Star right,
0: so so there's lots of different ways your
1: power or your reputation track. You get a
0: star. So there's lots of different ways to earn stars, which is kind of cool because it lets you gives you kind of an open path. But the thing is, I noticed
1: it was like it's slow going at first because it's really it it seems like it's really tough to get that first one out. But then they start coming in droves.
0: Well, because when the game starts, you're kind of landlocked to your to like an island that your faction operates on because there's rivers and there's lakes on the board that you're not allowed to cross at the beginning of the game. But through the game, um, specifically through, uh, usually through getting mechs out or through building certain structures, like you have a mine that you can build, it opens up other areas of the board to you. Right. So, like, each of the mechs...
1: All all the boards have um, two the same. They have Riverwalk,
0: mm-hmm. which
1: lets you go across rivers, but only to certain types of terrains mm-hmm. based on your character. And then the other one is speed. That's the other one that just lets you go an extra hex when you move.
0: Right. And then each faction also has another movement method um, that's unique to them as well. So, like, I remember the Saxon faction can move right from a mountain that they control to any of the tunnels on the board. There's also tunnels on the board as well that link any space that is also a tunnel to each other, which helps you travel around the board that much faster. So, though you have this big giant board... Um, you're well, able to get around, and there what did quickly. I have
1: the first time? I had the one where I could travel from lake to lake, mm-hmm. and yeah, that, that yeah. was one of
0: the Nordic faction's abilities. You could use the, um, or no, I'm sorry, that was the Polish one where you could actually that use was lakes with, with the bear. You could use lakes as tunnels, basically. Yes. And move your mechs and your character.
1: And I could hide out on the lake, so you couldn't come get me.
0: Right. <laughs> um, and the character, what they do is they, um, you're you're going to want them to go on encounters. So they they have these encounter tokens on the board, and it's kind of like a mini adventure that you go on. <laughs>
1: and there's a good encounter, a an okay encounter, and then a jerk encounter. <laughs> right. So if
0: if any of you guys have ever played. Um, like Fallout, for example, D- a
1: you- point-and-click adventure game. That's all you need.
0: Yeah, usually when you um when you come up across you know a situation, they give you the nice guy option, the neutral option, and the jerk option. And uh-huh. inside you have that as well. Um, that'll get you a different bonus based on. What option you pick. Um, Your character is also trying to get to the central space on the board, which is called the factory. And it's this mysterious place where there's all this crazy technology. And at the beginning of the game, there's these factory cards that are dealt out um, in secret and placed on the board. The first person to get to the factory gets to look through these cards and pick one of them and put it next to their player board. And this is a bonus action that you and only you have access to. For the rest of the game. And it's usually something crazy. Like normally when you deploy a mech, it would cost you several pieces of metal to do it. But on this on a fat on a factory card, you might get an ability to be able to pay like one money and deploy a mech, which is which is kind of insane when you when you look at it. Mm-hmm. So the factory is great for that. Um you're also trying to control uh different hexes on the board during the game because when the game does end, um you're gonna get The the goal is to have the most money at the end of the game, but you're going to get most of your money when the game's over because there's this popularity track that's on the board, and your faction will gain and lose popularity throughout the course of the game. But the more popular you are when the game ends, the more bonus coins you'll get from fulfilling different objectives. So you get bonus coins at the end of the game for having stars placed, on the on the, uh, on the progress tracker, you get it from controlling hexes on the board. And the factory is important for this reason, because the factory counts as three hexes when you're determining this majority. And you also get points for leftover resources at the end of the game. And whoever has the most coins, uh, once all the bonuses have been added in, wins the game. And that's pretty much it. So like I said, the rules, it's actually a simple game to explain. And though when when you sit down in front of it, you would probably be overwhelmed, Uh It's really not too hard of a game to play once you know what you're doing.
1: Took me three turns for it to click. Right,
0: to kind of click into place. Um, And there's some things that aren't intuitive but that will become intuitive that they actually made some smart design choices. So, for example, when you fight, um, only your character and your mech can fight. Well, those pieces are made of plastic. Your workers can't fight. They're made of wood. So basically any plastic pieces can fight. Any wood pieces can't. I forgot to talk about combat because combat's handled quite interestingly as well. Um, so as M said, one of the resources that you have in the game is power. So when you move on to a space with a player, it starts a fight. Immediately. Immediate, well, not immediately, but when, when movement's done, you resolve it. And what you do is you have these dials that run that range from zero to seven. So each player secretly is going to choose a power Level that they're willing to contribute to the battle,
1: and you also have combat cards. And right, you it, have depending bonus cards. on how many things are in the fight.
0: Mm-hmm, how many f- plastic figures? That's you have. how many
1: cards that you can add to said power level that you choose. Yeah,
0: and and the cards are going to range from two to five power each. So if I roll up on M with two mechs against her one oh, character, oh no, let's talk yeah. about
1: what happened the other night. This butthead, this butthead rolled up on me with three mechs to mm-hmm. my one. Right. And expected me to put up a fight. I said, Screw that. I didn't spend any power and I gave him like a four card. You know what he hit me with? Twenty <laughs> freaking two.
0: Yeah, so I uh what so a jerk. For each for each figure you have in the combat, you get to add a combat card to the mix.
1: Screwed me out of points too. That was the worst part.
0: Yeah, and you essentially add all of your power. Together and whoever has the most power wins the battle, the loser's forced to retreat all the way back to their home base, and the winner gains control of the space. So it's actually very similar to Kemet's combat system, which mm-hmm. is something that, that Jamie Stegmeyer said he was inspired by in that. So Scythe is it's, it's an interesting game because it doesn't do anything wholly original. You know what I mean? Like, it borrows a lot of aspects from other games. It does some things that are interesting, for example, that are that kind of unique, too. For example, your resources are actually stored on the board itself. They're not stored in, like, a supply. And
1: they can be stolen.
0: They can be. Because if someone takes control of the hex that you have those resources on, they now control those resources. So you have to be very careful about how you have them guarded and, mm-hmm, and where you have mm-hmm. people as you go throughout the game. So that's kind of neat. Um, but like I said, we've seen unique player powers in games before we've seen unlockable technology abilities in games before we've seen that fighting system in games before, because like I said, Kemet and to to a smaller extent, Blood Rage also kind of kind of does a similar sort of thing as well. Um, you know, we've seen race to the, you know, race to a certain area. We've seen area control because that's that's. You know, in a lot of games, of course, as well. Um, but the way that it marries everything together is really interesting. Um, there's, there's not a game quite like Scythe. And it, Jamie promotes it as a 4X style game. And it's not what you would traditionally think of when you think of a 4X style game. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. think of you know a game where you 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 don't know where any of the spaces are, and you're revealing them as you go yeah, along. Yeah, this sort you know everything, it's right? You know right where there, everything is. Black and white. Um, but but it does have some of those 4x elements. Um, a lot, a few people online have challenged James Stegmaier on calling it a 4x, and he's like, "Well, I'm, if if you pigeonhole it into the known definition of a 4x game, yeah, I guess it's not like that." But I'm trying to broaden, you know, what you might think of when you think of a game like that. And I can kind of see where he's coming from. And there is some sense of exploration, like the factory cards, nobody knows what they are at the beginning of the game. And you're huh. trying to, you're trying to race to get to those and, and sort of things. So, so I could see where, where that inspiration comes from. And I think because it marries all these in a unique way, it it can kind of become greater than the sum of its parts. And it's, it's, it's hard to talk about this game because it had so much hype surrounding it. For the past year, basically. Like, like ever since someone saw the first piece of art from the game, people have been, like, freaking out about wanting this game. So it's definitely been hyped up. And it's not, like, the greatest game in the history of games, by, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. It is very good. But it's a very good game. Yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun so far.
1: I mean, Hell's Bells, we've played it three times within within a
0: week. Right. And and let me also, you know, talk about the aesthetic stuff too um, before we kind of dive deep into, you know, likes and dislikes and that sort of thing. Um, the art for the game is. Is awesome. Phenomenal. Um, they I love it. And, I mean, and, and, you know, Stonemeyer's a company known for having really top quality art in their game.
1: I'm sorry. So we had this encounter card, and Brad was. Voitech the bear, mm-hmm. and he gets this encounter card, and the jerk thing on there says, "Have a bear meat sandwich."
0: Yeah,
1: and I was just no more good. And this jerk ate the bear meat sandwich over here.
0: Well, that's what's that's. I mean, that's one of the cool things about those encounter cards. There's these, they're these giant tarot sized cards, and they don't tell you. On the card in words, what's happening? You just get a picture of what's happening, and then you have the options of what you can oh, do yeah. with it's, that picture. Mine, which is kind of neat. Um, but like I so said, the art's amazing, um, fantastic art. This, I mean, there's not many board games where I wouldn't mind having like a print of that art it, uh, hanging on my wall. Yeah. This is a game I wouldn't mind having a scythe print hanging on my wall because it, it looks.
1: Oh my god! You and know, very mechs. unique. The mechs are very cool. I enjoyed. The crap out of them. I actually, the first time we played, I was the faction with the white mechs, and I laughed because any of you that have seen Robocop, it looks like the, what was it, honey? The
0: Ed 209. Yeah. Yes,
1: it looks exactly like that. It's hilarious.
0: Well, that's, and, and yeah, each faction also there has a unique mech sculpt as well for their mechs, which the, is kind I of I think mean I was well. the blue
1: the one time, and it's like, it's a boat with spider legs. Mm-hmm.
0: It's like a water, it's like a beetle <laughs> or something basically. It's very basically. cool. So yeah, the art's great. Um the the component quality, the production value is top notch. We ended up backing the collector's edition on Kickstarter. So we have the extended board that we can't fit on our table, so we so we haven't used it yet. And then we also have the upgraded resource tokens, and these look like the resource tokens that you get um in the like the treasure chests that Stonemeyer games mm-hmm. have done previously, except that they're actually nicer than the treasure chest ones. We discovered because we were the playing wood. with the we were, yeah, we were
1: playing Deus last night with the treasure chest and the wood in the treasure chest and the wood inside. I was like, wait a minute. I was like, the ones inside, they're prettier. <laughs> yeah.
0: So so and we get the nice metal coins. So like I said, really, I mean, I, I would I've come to expect top notch production from Stonemeyer Games definitely doesn't disappoint no. in this. So so from aesthetics, the game absolutely nails it. And it 's very cool from that regard, so two player differences obviously we 're going to talk about a two player um, there wasn 't there 's not really any difference in how you play no. the game the only thing that 's really different is that there 's fewer factory cards available because there doesn 't need to be as many factory cards available, but other than that, the rules are exactly the same um, so that's, I
1: thought it scaled really well. Mm-hmm. I really did because and you look at the board and it 's a huge board, even without the extended board. my God. Um, but as huge as the board is, I mean, we still had that conflict. You know, we still, mm. we weren't that far from one another.
0: Well, you're, well, and you're as far as you want to be because the tunnels can link all the spaces. Right. you pretty closely together. So if you want to stay with people, you can, if you want to get in somebody's face, it's pretty easy to do that too. And things can kind of go different ways with this one. Now I will say we, we, so we've played, a couple two-player games we played a five-player game and i've also played it solo which would which technically is a two-player game as well um in the five-player game you're kind of it's kind of hard to avoid people you're gonna you're gonna run into people just because the board's not that big that you can you know stay away from each other so if so but the two-player like i've said gives you a little bit of flexibility case in point the first time we played two-player i think we fought Probably three or four times during the game, and the second time we played, we only had one fight at the very end of the game. It was the very last turn of the game that we had and our first combat. And it wasn't combat. because
1: I wanted to; it was because he wanted to be a jerk and not give me points.
0: Yeah. So, so that's uh, so that's so. Like I said, basically, you can make it as confrontational as you want, or as non-confrontational as you want. Um, when you're playing, which is kind of neat. And the two-player version... I
1: said, you don't have to have the... I mean, the confrontations are good if you want to get stars, but if you're specializing in other areas... It's like he told me when... you He's like, look, he said there's... This many things that you can fulfill to get your stars out. He's like, so you want to pick six things that you're going to be really good at, and like, and not worry about the other things. He said, like, because you can't.
0: Right, because if you try to diversify too much, then you'll never get anything done. Right, but but with two player, you have a bit more flexibility over what you want to do. If you want to stay away from each other, it's easy to do. If you want to be a jerk, it's still easy to get in someone's face, and so you can kind of have a little bit more flexibility over how you want to play. Um, I think we've talked about our likes for the game, a decent amount so far. Um, what other stuff, what stuff have you not liked about the game?
1: Didn't I like? Yes. <sighs> um, actually in the last game we played, I was having trouble. I, I was having trouble with the resources. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cause I've, f- I thought I was doing all right, and then I was trying to get my mechs out, and I was like, I was just not, you know, it was not jiving well for me. Mm-hmm. And then I felt like once I did, I felt like I was so far behind you, I had to try and play catch-up. So I feel like you got out to a, you know, I, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was just how I was positioned, which faction I had, or whatever, but mm-hmm. it just maybe I just did a crap job of trying to get myself started.
0: I mean, the the only thing that I'm not a huge fan of is it's it's got a weird... Pacing to the game because, like we mentioned earlier, the game starts kind of slowly because you're really limited with what you can do. Because when the game starts, you have your character out on the board and you, you have, have two workers, and, and you, you might have a few, have a a few dollars, right? And
1: maybe a couple power, and
0: that's it. And you're also landlocked to your to your little area, which is three hexes, board. right? So. It takes a while to get built up um, so that you can do more and expand more. And I get why they do that, because they don't want someone running right over to you and punching you in the face from the very beginning of the game before you're able to sufficiently defend yourself. So I, I get that. Um, but it's, it's definitely a weird, because once you get past that, and once you get, get through the slow start, the game just kind of zooms along oh, after yeah. that. So it's, it's a little bit of an odd pacing Especially when you're not accustomed to it, I guess. I, I guess I wish that you could do more at the beginning of the game, but I also can understand why why it wasn't made that way. Well, as like well. I said,
1: um, it has the quick start guide with it that tells you, um, like, first time you play, you know, you could do this, 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 you know, and mm-hmm. it like first turn says do an action that no one else did, and then second one's like shoot to try and be able to do. Um, the top and bottom action on one of the spaces, and yeah, it's just that's tough. I don't think you can't do that in the second round unless you like hit it lucky with resources.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, the only other thing that I didn't like, and this is more, it, it's actually more about the five player game than anything else. Is that man? It's tough to build up power with five players because there's so many fu- there's so many fights going on. Oh yeah. But like I said, I don't want to I don't want to harp on five players too much because that's not what we do on the show. Um, I can't really think of any other like glaring criticism. Like I'll
1: have to play with another faction. Cause maybe the one I had last time, just maybe I just wasn't playing it correctly. You know what well, I mean? Okay.
0: Actually, that's a good point. Um, with the factions, though you are not locked down to playing each faction a certain way. Um, it is in your best interest to do it. So case in point, M was the Saxons. The Saxons like to fight um, because normally you're only allowed to place two combat stars over the course of the game. So you win two fights and that's the amount of stars you can place no matter how many more fights you win. The Saxons' special ability is that they can keep placing stars for combat no matter what. So in order for that faction to do well, one would think that you want to be super aggressive and fight as much as possible. And... That being said, M still got five star, five of her six stars out before the game ended without fighting at all. Mm-hmm. So it's not exclusively geared towards that and it gives you some flexibility. But by the same token, she probably could have ended the game a little bit earlier um, if you had been fighting a little bit more. Right. And had well, won a couple of combat. Well, I was gearing up
1: for one, jerky face. Yeah, and then I, I bum-rushed you. But you ruined my plans. Yeah.
0: Um, So, I I mean, I guess if you are someone that prefers to have kind of free reign over what you're doing in the game, you still can. But if you don't kind of play within the lines of your specific faction, you might find that you do suffer a little bit performance wise. But then again, we've only played the game a couple times. So I I can't say for sure that over a long period of time that that's going to necessarily be true. Um. Other any other anything you liked about it that we didn't that we didn't hit on to this point?
1: No, I think I fawned over the little animals. I thought that was hilarious. This one this one put out his tweet the other day about Mox the Bison, how he will forevermore be (laughs) known as M Bison.
0: I have to know if that was on purpose or not.
1: Oh my god. I thought that's the first thing I said. He's like he's like, his name is Mox the Bison. He is now M Bison. And I was like, Oh my (coughs) lord. I was like, is he a Street Fighter fan?
0: So who do we recommend this game to? Now this one I think is gonna be a little bit interesting for this because when we did play it with five players, we had an interesting mix of people at the table. So we had me and M, um we had my buddy Kevin, who is a very experienced gamer, likes all types of games, played war games, likes Euros, whatever. We had we had his wife Corey, um who loves Euro games, not a big fan of conflict in games. And we had their friend Luke, who's also a big Euro player, doesn't mind the conflict, but also not too well versed in like dice chuckers, I would say. Um. So we. So Kevin really liked it. Kevin thought it was pretty good.
1: Corey was lukewarm. Was on it.
0: lukewarm because she didn't like the fact that she get things taken from her or or beat up. Like she was trepidatious to go into fights. And I wasn't, well,
1: and Kev told us as much, he said she doesn't like when, when her plans get messed with.
0: Right. And Luke, um, did okay, but he was way too nice during the game. Yeah. Like he, like he had, he had the ability to, to take some, to be a little bit more aggressive, but he didn't really take it during the game. And it might have cost him because he did not do too well when the final scores were added up. So what I would say is if you are someone, that does not like conflict in your game. Do not probably shouldn't get it. Because though though you don't have to play an aggressive game, chances are someone is going to at some at some point because the lure because you get the most points at the end of the game for stars. And the lure of getting an easy star by winning a quick fight is a pretty good lure. Now you can deter people from doing that by building up power and having like a strong base that if someone does challenge you, you can hopefully win. But if you really hate conflict, you may might not want to. Um, that being said, if you are super like a Ameritrash fan, you like t- you like chucking dice, you like getting into fights, things of that nature. If you like Kemet, but you're not a big fan of Euro games. If you're not a big fan of the resource management and things of that nature, don't know if I would recommend it either. Because there's not enough aggression in the game to, I think, to, to keep those type right. of players around it's as well. Kind of
1: a, this one's kind of a balance of everything. mm
0: mm-hmm. But that being said if if you if you kind of if you if you say hey I really like your games and I don't mind chucking some dice or or getting into some conflicts I think you'll really like it. If you like conflict heavy games but don't mind some some resource management and some, you know, some not, you know, not multiplayer solitaire but some, you know, building of your own kind of thing without other people foiling your plans, I think you'll like it too. I think I think this game has a very wide appeal but It's hard to say that if you hate one of the one of the pieces in it that you'll really like if you hate the euro side You might not like it and if you hate the the conflict side You might not like it either because I think those two things are definitely a part of the game But that being said that's probably a small Subset of people that could buy this game. I think a larger subset You know is willing to try different things and try different ways to do it, which is uh, which is kind of cool so yeah, we recommend it. It's it's been a lot of fun. So we've played it a bunch. Do we recommend it if you primarily play with two players? And that's that's a more interesting question, I think. So here's only here's,
1: if you're like us and you like that punch each other in the face kind of thing, I would say.
0: Uh, I, I don't even know if, if again, as long as you don't mind a little bit of aggression, I think you're fine. I think you're fine as far as that goes. Because again, we you know we played that whole game and we had one battle and it was at the very end of the game. It's not like we were running up and, and hitting each other, left and right.
1: No, that was the first game we played.
0: <laughs> well, so here so here's the thing with Scythe. I think that one, fa- one thing it has going for it, um, from a two player standpoint, is that once you understand how to play, it's there are not many games that have this big of a scale that you can play in so short of a time. Because the first time we played, it took us about a little over two hours. Cause we were still kind of
1: second finding our way through
0: 75 minutes, hour 15 minutes. We were done. And I'm pretty sure it's going to take only about an hour to an hour 15 on subsequent plays. And I'll tell you from the amount of four X games that we've played and from the amount of, you know, like area control, like big territory this games, like perfect you for ain't, us. you ain't playing a game with that size of a scope in that little bit of a time, except no. for this. So it's got a great, so it's, it's great <laughs> for that. Um, Price, I think this game will probably probably in the neighborhood of I want to say 70 bucks when it comes out. I'm sure you can get a little bit cheaper online, of course. Um if that sounds like a tough pill to swallow for a primary two player game, might want to avoid it. Um if you're okay with playing it then uh if you're okay with paying that price for a good game, then you know obviously it's gonna be good. You're gonna get top quality components there for sure. Um but yeah, if you only play with two players ever, um I would say that so so let's let's take some comparable I games.
1: I wouldn't say get it if you only play with two players because I think you get more of an experience playing with i I mean, I had a lot of fun five five was kind of crazy. I think right. four might be better, but mm. um yeah i i don't I wouldn't get this if you primarily play just with two. I think you need to have that experience with more people with this one too, because I think that adds more to the game.
0: Well, see, I, I will... I'm actually going to disagree with you here on this, because... So I'll give you some comparables. So would you rather play this, or would you rather play Kevin?
1: This.
0: Okay. So so it's. I, I think this does work better with two than Kevin. Um, I think that this game... We love Blood Rage, and I'm not oh, disparaging Blood Rage, but Blood Rage is a very different feeling. Like it, Like, if I want to punch someone in the face, I'll play some Blood Rage. If I want to have that sort of ability to have some conflict, but also have the more Euro style gameplay, then I'm going to want to pick sides instead. So I think they both have a place there. Um, like I said, it's, if you like 4X games, um, again, this, this fits in a definitely in, in the short time span that you could do. If you're a fan of stone of Stonemaier games, and if you're a fan of games of this ilk, I would recommend it with two players because again, it's, it doesn't suffer from the normal pitfalls that a two-player game of this nature has. So normally in games like this, the board's too big. Well, because you can get around the board pretty quickly in this game, that's balanced, not a problem. Yeah. That's not a problem. Um, you know, factions are imbalanced. I haven't we haven't really gotten that so far in this game. You know what I mean? Like there's definitely factions that'll do better in certain areas than others, but no I wouldn't say that any of them are Heads and tails, worse or better than any it's of the like, other factions. It's
1: like Marco Polo; they're all equally broken in their own way.
0: Right, right. So, I, and so, so that works for it as well. I would have no problem recommending this for two players. I'm, I'm quite taken with the game. The fact that we've played it, you know, three, four times in in two weeks' time says a lot for for us, especially because we tend to, we tend we to have bounce around. Add right. We tend to bounce around quite a bit. So, I, I would say. I that yeah if you're just going to play two players then it's it's worth checking out. Um and disagrees that's fine. Um I'm glad that we do have the opportunity to play it with more people. Well, we're
1: married. We're not going to agree right, on right. everything.
0: <laughs> well, and and I and I agree with you too. I think I think that 3 to 4 probably is the best player count for the game, but I still think it's quite good enough with two um that it's worth buying regardless. So that's our review of Scythe. Um, if you were on the fence, or if you were curious to know more about it, hopefully, we gave you some valuable insight that you could use there. And uh, and I think that'll be it for us. It's one of our longer shows that I think we've ever had. It's yes,
1: twelve, 12 it's, fifteen. It's and, twelve and, fifteen a.m. I have to be up in five hours and forty five minutes. Yeah. So yeah. So good night. Good luck. I love you guys.
0: Peace. Well, I'm not leaving quite yet because I have to remind you that we're just <laughs> one of many shows on the TNP Studios Network. Make sure to check out all those other great shows including The Apocalypse, Dense Pixels, Black on Black Cinema, and A Mouthful of Toast. If you also go to the slash premium, you can check out our premium shows that we have available. It's just 5 bucks a month or $50 for the entire year. Uh, that'll get you episodes of The Airing of Grievances, Look Forward, No Time to Bleed, and The Men with the Golden Tongues. Uh, like we mentioned at the beginning of the show, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at tabletop for two. Check out our BGG guild number two six two three. If you frequent Board Game Geek, now I will go ahead.
1: Sorry, and I am say
0: goodbye. Dead
1: tired, dude.
0: Well, as usual we do very much appreciate you guys listening and hey if you can we would be very grateful if you could uh if you could share the show uh with friends tell them about it get them to listen to especially if you have other couples or other uh buddies that love two-player gaming we'd love to get the listenership up so again thank you for listening we'll see you guys in a couple of weeks talk to you later peace